Welcome to the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. Join us as we explore the future of farming, food, and nutrition. Dr. Kyle McKinney joins us for a conversation about new ideas and sustainability. Dr. McKinney is now working in Costa Rica as Alltech's development manager for Central America and the Caribbean. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Kyle, you moved to Costa Rica recently. Uh, Why? Yes, I moved uh, nearly two years ago, and we had a specific project in mind focused on banana and disease in banana, and and banana is the number one fruit consumed globally, number four crop grown globally, and there's a disease that's wiping out 50% of bananas worldwide if left untreated. So our approach in, in, in our crop science, all tech crop science, is to look at using natural alternatives to pesticides or natural alternatives for growth of plant nutrition. So we use technology, develop technology that would complement synthetic chemicals, fungicides, pesticides, allow us to reduce those chemicals and and slow the disease spread of on banana in Costa Rica. Can you tell us more about what's going on in Costa Rica? Sure. Uh, Costa Rica in general has the fourth or fifth largest production of banana, number one exporter of pineapple. And the climate is perfect for disease, disease in the soil, disease in the air. And Costa Rica gets hit hard sometimes on their use of, of chemical pesticides. But um, due to the disease opportunities, it's, it's high and they, they have to fight these diseases to maintain their fruit production and exports, etc. So they're looking for help and they're reaching out. And, and one of the great things of Costa Rica is producers want to look at alternatives and they want to look into the future. And they know the use of chemical pesticides as we use today and have used in the past will not be part of our future. It's not going to happen anywhere. But producers in Costa Rica are very interested in new technology and what we're, we have to offer. And the idea that a company would send someone down, and not only myself, we have another colleague down that came from Kentucky to Costa Rica working on his PhD at University of Costa Rica. We also built a laboratory, microbiology laboratory. So when we talk about this Costa Rica project, there's often a joke that I packed my suitcases and I put fermenters in my suitcases and took those down to, to Costa Rica. But uh, it's, a, it's a unique setup that we have. By having that lab there, we can respond quickly with the producers and, and they appreciate that. And it's a good working partnership. You referenced a disease that uh, is endangering the banana crop out there. Can you give us a little more information, what its name is, how it affects the banana crop, uh, why it's such a uh, dangerous. Uh, is it such a danger to the bananas around the world? Sure, it's uh, it's called cigatoka. It's a um, it's a fungal fungi fungal disease that's spread in the air. I always use the generic term of it's like pollen. You, it's in the air. The climate of Costa Rica keeps cultivating this this uh, fungi. It it spreads. It gets onto the leaves and causes the leaves to rot away, cell death of the leaves. To fight this disease, disease they, they apply the pesticides one, 
two times, three times per month. And it's about a third of the cost of a banana when you eat the banana. A third of that cost is coming from the treatment of this disease. And it's made it difficult for small banana producers to, to stay in business because of the cost of, of, of keeping the disease away. We would lose 50% of the plants if we did not have the constant application of these chemicals to, to keep the disease from spreading. So uh, they can, it can be maintained, but the goal is how do we maintain it in a more natural or, or maybe safer way using alternatives and, and that's really the goal, and not just Costa Rica, but, but in, in across the world, of utilizing um, more natural resources, microbes, for example. That's a big part of what we do in crop science, utilizing microbes in the soil, microbes being applied to plants and to stimulate growth, for example. So Costa Rica has been fighting this particular banana disease for 30, 40 years, and they do a good job of, of maintaining and holding the disease from spreading. But they do that by um, constant monitoring, constant application. and Of pesticides. Of pesticides. So w- given the fact that black cigatoka is costly to maintain, meaning to hold back because of pesticides, what are you researching that could offer hope for the future? We're looking at, at some of our technologies, for example, that has favorable enzymes produced from a bacteria fermentation. So these enzymes, once applied to the soil or applied to the leaves, will attack the fungi on, from the disease and break that fungi cell wall down, and, and we see a reduction of the disease. And this, it's the same sense as a pesticide works. That pesticide's been designed, engineered to break down the cell wall of the fungi. Uh, we also see opportunities of causing this plant, inducing this plant to produce its own self-defenses. For example, when the plant uh, when the plant has the fungi on it, it's releasing compounds trying to get rid of or remove the disease. What if we look at ways to cause these compounds to be released prior to this disease arriving or the fungi arriving? So. And again, that's from fermentation technology. So our real focus is fermentation technology um, and incorporating it into programs with pesticides. We know we're not at a point where we can eliminate pesticide usage completely. One day it will happen with technology, but we're not there yet. But we can reduce, and we're showing that currently in Costa Rica. So given the fact that you are reducing pesticide use through using uh, these new treatments, um, one of the terms I've seen is induced resistance. Mm-hmm. How, how is that being used? And what is the results of using induced resistance? When we induce resistance, for example, we're causing that plant to produce compounds that fight off disease. Uh, these are enzymes a lot of times in, in the crop world, peroxidases or beta-glucanases. And those enzymes attack the disease causing the, the, the carrier to, to, to die, essentially. So when we induce the resistance of that plant, we cause the plant to produce these, these enzymes and begin fighting before the disease hits. It's really like a, a vaccine when you take a vaccine for some disease. Those, 
you you create um, resistance inside your body for when it may hit. So it's the same idea in crop as well. What kind of results are we seeing from the application of induced resistance? What we've seen so far, and we're very happy with this, is nearly a 20% reduction in the use of pesticides with the producers that we're applying our technology to. When you say a 20% reduction, you mean a 20% reduction of the disease or a 20% reduction of pesticides? We're talking 20% reduction of the pesticides. So it's a big deal. Mm-hmm. It's, it's something we're happy about and it's something that the producers are happy about because they're selling the bananas to people that want a clean, healthy crop, whether it's a fruit or, or any other food source. So we're all working together down there to fight this disease using the expertise from the growers, the producers, from our people and the microbiology on the fermentation side. So it's a, it's a partnership that's come together to solve a problem in, in, in banana. So that's a 20% reduction um, when they're applying those pesticides, sometimes two to three times a month, you said, to be able to hold back the Sigatoka disease. Mm-hmm. Correct. Exactly. Why would you say, or, or would you say, that the biggest challenge for the future of food production is crop protection, or one of the biggest challenges? Absolutely. One of the biggest challenges, if not the biggest. It's what we've seen over the years is the application of pesticides, whether that's a fungicide or herbicide or others, has increased each decade since the 50s, 60s. That's also allowed us to double food production along with other parameters of of agriculture. But the sustainable use and the continued growth of pesticides in in our crops just is not going to be sustainable. People don't want that in their food. No one does. And as people become more aware it puts pressure on growers worldwide to reduce. It puts pressure on, on grocery stores to not to buy fruits or that's had high chemical levels. So it's a, it's a major concern. What we're happy to see is producers want alternatives. And it's, it's allowed for a nice partnership to work together and to find solutions to crop protection. So we have this kind of uh, dichotomy going on where you have... Uh, diseases like Sigatoka that are decimating the crop, if not treated with pesticides, uh, in two to three times a month. On the other side, we also need to increase the production to meet the world demand with a term we talked about yesterday, rising billions, uh, China, India, uh, uh, Africa, um, and other parts of Asia all coming into a middle class wanting Uh, needing and demanding more food variety that's available out there. So we have this this challenge that we're talking about of protecting a crop, but at the same time having to increase that production at the same time. So it sounds like this is a a huge need uh, in in terms of the future. Uh, Would you agree with that, that the crop protection is not, it's to protect what we have, but as we increase, it also becomes more because applying more and more pesticides sounds like it's not a viable option. No, absolutely. You're correct. Uh, crop protection is number one. But what we're going to we'll get to is we understand more about plant genetics. We understand more about microbials. And 
as we move forward, we're going to see combinations of, of natural solutions, whether it's microbes or it's the compounds the microbes produce, which is what a lot of the crop science that we work with. Those combinations are going to give us alternatives for crop protection, and we'll see a drastic reduction in the use of pesticides over the next decade. There's no question, and, and that's what the industry's the direction the industry is moving. Would those then be what were referred to as biopesticides that you're, you're talking about? These would be referred to as biopesticides. Okay, can you give us a little more detail on what biopesticide is? I think you probably have talked about it a little bit, but now that we have it I've quantified what the term is. Sure. Uh, biopesticide essentially encompasses this uh, natural solution versus a synthetically produced chemical. So there's biopesticides and bioherbicides and all these are coming from some form of plant microbe biostimulants, for example. We focus on plant extract to stimulate the growth of the plant versus hormones or other alternatives. So this this bio aspect is utilizing plant or, or microbial components. So sometimes is it uh, making the plant healthier and stronger? Other times it may be to combat actually the disease itself or the effects of the disease? That's a good question. I, our approach is actually to focus on, on the plant. Let's make the plant healthier and the plant can then fight these diseases and then let's also attack the disease as well and when you strengthen the root system of the plant and you do that by uh, removing pathogens in the soil it's an interesting uh, discussion point if you take one acre of soil there's nearly 15 tons of microbes in that soil and we know Two percent of the microbes in the soil. We have no idea what the other ninety-eight percent will allow us to do to improve plant health, plant nutrition, reduce disease, and and that's a big component, a big focus of what we're doing in crop science. So it sounds like there's a tremendous opportunity potentially out there as we become more and more aware as we uh, are able to research, like you're saying, the ninety-eight percent to find other biological organisms that can stimulate growth, increase health, um, and, and combat disease. Absolutely. There's no question the future of, of crop protection and the future of improving crop plant nutrition will be utilizing microbes that we walk on daily or, or, or in the soil. In terms of when we stimulate the growth, it's, it sounds like it's very similar to humans that we are using our uh, born biological antibiotic system to fight disease. So we're making ourselves healthy. And then at the same time, we also have other biological uh, elements that fight the disease. So it, it, it equates well to a diet for a human being. And those are some of the things that you're talking about in the soil. And then on the other side, not necessarily using uh, antibiotics that are artificially created or, or in a lab, mm -hmm. but more using um, foods that maybe have naturally built in chemicals or, or compounds that fight the disease. And that that's kind of equivalent to what, what you're attempting to do with uh, crop production. Exactly. We're, we're allowing that plant to fight the disease, which is what it was is designed to do. 
we're in, it's a simple term. We're encouraging that plant to start fighting the disease maybe before the disease arrives. But when the disease arrives, it it's it's can maintain and sustain itself much better. And we're not changing any any genetics. We're not. We're just promoting what that plant has already been designed to be able to do for itself. There is a lot of discussion in human terms of stimulants, biostimulants, natural substances that help the development of the human body from birth all the way up to adult, all the way up to even when you get into becoming elderly with healthy bones, uh, uh, keeping you know vision, obviously mental aptitude. Can you tell us what are biostimulants and how they apply to a plant? Because it sounds to me like it's very similar in what's trying to be achieved. Right. When we when we focus on biostimulants, we focus on a process of plant extract from yucca in Mexico. And plant extract from this particular yucca causes the crop to produce natural growth promoters, auxins, for example. It stimulates these auxins within the plant. So we see several advantages. We see root development. We see elongation of the of the stalk of the corn, for example, or we see more uniformity in citrus oranges uh, or strawberries or whatever the fruit may be. So when we promote using a biostimulant, plant extract in our case, we're promoting the plant to to utilize its process of photosynthesis to to grow better, grow faster, and and. A lot of times we see better quality fruits and we see more uniform fruits. And when consumers are buying from a visual standpoint nowadays, it, it's a benefit for the producer. I know that you've been working with pineapple down in Costa Rica uh, with some biostimulants. What's the results of that? Correct. We are, we're focused on pineapple as well as banana. And, and what we've seen in, in pineapple is a a stronger root development. And when the root develops in the in a pineapple, the uptake of nutrients changes. So we see a, a, a faster rate of growth and we see more uniformity of the pineapples, which is important for export. And we're seeing what we've seen with, with root development and growth rate and uniformity in pineapple we continue that development, continue that focus. We're quite excited about what we're seeing in, in pineapple. We we really started in a banana, and now we're shifting to this pineapple area, and we're seeing some some opportunities that make us excited. What about corn? Um, I believe in Iowa you've been working as well with corn. Exactly. So when we look at our biostimulant work, we've really focused on corn as we worked and developed this program. And we see in corn, we see an increased root base. And that's very important. When high winds blow, corn stalks fall over. And with a strong root base in corn, it keeps, those, uh, keeps corn upright and leads to a faster uh, development, leads to more uniform corn kernels. And uh, the biostimulant aspect in corn is something we've been working on for, for a decade or more. What do you see on the horizon for biological technologies? I think we're going to see a dramatic change over the next five and 10 years in this area of biologicals. Um, many people are taking notice. Universities are doing research. Uh, 
Uh, it's in a lot of discussions on harnessing the power of microbes. And we've seen a dramatic shift over the last five years. And the biopesticide, bio, biological market is expected to go from about 2 billion currently globally in cells to 8 billion in four years. So you're going to see a tripling of this market. I think currently biological market, biopesticide markets growing at about 15% per year compared to 3% for synthetic chemicals. So you're seeing this change. And as we understand more about soil microbes and how soil microbes can be beneficial, you're going to see uh, dramatic growth over the next five years to a decade. That's substantial. What about for microalgae specifically do you see uh, for the future? Microalgae is something we've taken notice in, and we know that there are biostimulant aspects of, of, of algae, microalgae. Seaweed, for example, has been utilized for, for many years on, in promoting growth as a biostimulant. And it's one of our expertise is, is growing microalgae. So we're really going to start pushing into that area as well uh, for biostimulants. What about in uh, the area of uh, uh, solid-state fermentation? Is there some advances coming in that area as well? I like solid-state fermentation because I did my PhD in, in that area. Solid-state fermentation has been around for a thousand years, the whole idea. And you see it often when you see uh, fungi growing on a log, for example, and all it's doing is breaking down fibers, releasing nutrients. And solid-state fermentation offers the same idea of producing beneficial fungi, which will help break down nutrients, which will help develop the root base and, and resist disease in the soil. It uh, helps increase water uptake as an extension of the roots. So solid-state fermentation offers a lot of promise moving forward on production of beneficial fungi and bacteria. Overall, how do you think farmers are doing and growers in terms of sustainability? I think they, I, I think sustainability is starting to take off. It's uh, in the past five or 10 years, people started to understand the idea of sustainability. And as consumers become aware of crops can be produced and animals can be produced without the use of heavy levels of pesticides or chemicals or or other inputs, fertilizers, sustainability is going to be the future of crop production, and it's going to come quicker than most people think. And there's many, many farmers that want alternatives. They're excited about the future of alternatives. They seek out companies like Alltech and says, hey, can you help us? What can we do, work together? So the future of sustainable agriculture and this whole new technology wave we're seeing in, in agriculture is really going to change. And we have to, to produce the food to feed another two or three billion people over the next 15, 20, 30 years. So all this technology is going to come together, which includes microbes to produce the food that we require. So how does this affect the average consumer's kitchen table? And I think it, you know, I've heard you talk about how much uh, cost goes into pesticide use, for instance. Beyond that, what other ways will it affect an average consumer? Maybe at the moment, 
the mental idea and the understanding that they're eating healthy food changes more than, than the impact of, of a financial impact on consumers. Uh, we can incorporate programs using alternatives, biopesticides, and not impact the cost of the producer. And I think, I think can, when consumers can sit down and eat and not fear that what they're eating is unhealthy or may have some chemical inputs, I think that just, you know, just leads to a, a better understanding and, and people are more um, excited about the area of agriculture. Well, that leads right into what, what do you enjoy most about your job? You know, all tech in general uh, is always changing. There's always opportunities coming. There's always new paths to take. And if you're bored in this company, then you're not seeking out the opportunities that come around the corner. So uh, I'm excited every day to get up and, and look at the challenges that we're facing in Costa Rica and work with producers to, to offer them alternatives because they're seeking these alternatives and we have the technologies and we have the expertise to work together and, and, and make a difference. Dr. McKinney is Alltech's Development Manager for Central America and the Caribbean. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening. To hear other conversations with many of the featured speakers at one, the Alltech Ideas Conference, visit ideas.alltech.com. Access is free after signing up. Thanks for listening to another episode of the Ag Future Podcast, presented by Alltech. For show notes and more episodes, visit alltech.com forward slash agfuture.